The 121st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys again today. I know it's the off season, but three pods in one week. That's because a lot of uh, a lot more news coming out around Carolina basketball. As one player did announce his return for next season, and another did announce his plans to transfer out of the program. We'll tell you who those players are. A little bit later in the show, but we start every edition of the pod as we always do with our pod thought of the day. And this one comes with some controversy because who I picked to be today's thought artist. And I went with James Naismith. Too too soon. The inventor of the game of basketball, but if you if you follow basketball like we do, you do know that he is a Kansas grad and he is a a forefather of college basketball at Kansas and of course Kansas did beat Carolina in the national championship just a little bit over a week ago I'm I'm, I'm mad about this one because I said we should not go with this one and you said well this is my podcast that is not do whatever I want that's not what I said at all I don't know why you were by the way that was offensive I don't know why you were Trump there yeah that's not what I sound like at all you said this is my podcast it's not what I said either, but his pod thought of the day is relevant with the world that we're living in today. Um, and he one time said, I seek to leave the world a little bit better place than I found it. And I think that's all of our mission is to to leave the world a little bit a little bit better than when we came into the world. I know that's been my mission since I was born. Woo, uh, going, failing already. Going on this thing for 26 years, leaving behind a legacy. Wait a second. That's not even true. What do you mean? You're 25. But it's going on 26 years because I turned 26 in six months. Oh, you got a ways to go. So, um, but he is our pod thought of the day. And, and look, mm. it's it's still mm. it's still touchy. But before we get into the guys that are, are, are coming back and, and the guy that's leaving, it is kind of weird how, and maybe it's because we lost the title game, that game feels like a month ago. When in reality, it was 11 days ago? Yeah, I can't believe that it's been that long. Although, I will say this, I have still not caught up on sleep since that day. That That is one of the moments of the pod history as well as the friendship history that will last uh, for a while. Because, yeah, that that c- going from work <laughs> to the Smith Center... <laughs> To watch the game, which was great, by the way. What an experience that was. Because I I thought the environment there was unbelievable. I yeah. thought it was better than 17. 
and then coming back to work to sleep at the station. <laughs> you underwear only in in the job. Unbelievably. I woke up to a tweet from a listener wanting to know why I was asleep in That's the building good, that, in my underwear. That was uh that was a that, that was maybe problematic. But also one of our diehard listeners at the station uh was kind of appalled to hear that our guy here who on air is named Itty Bitty Fitty. Yeah. Was sleeping in a room. Not this room that we were recording in, by the way. There's nowhere to sleep in here. But another room inside of the facilities where there's a couch. <laughs> and now keep in mind, by the way, I will let you in on a little secret with this because this podcast people aren't gonna hear on air on the station, I'm I'm it's a little more risky because the person may be listening in. No chance she's listening to this. This is in a someone's someone's office. There's a couch in the office, and this man went <laughs> boxers only on this person's couch. Look in the defense of me, because you got to give the whole story. We were sleeping, what's the whole story? We were sleeping in the same office, but because well, you there's have- a door. There's a door that separates it, so it basically makes it into two separate offices. But when I get up, I go in there and tell you. Which, by the way, the best part of that night is the fact that you were sleeping on a couch. I, that's not even a couch. This thing is like an Ottoman wannabe. It is like the smallest couch ever. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. It probably wouldn't fit Zion on it at his current weight by himself, just sitting. Um, So you're like curled over this thing like a like a big old dog that can't fit on this on a chair or something like that that he has to sleep on and you I end up telling you when I go on air hey man you come in here and you you sleep well after we're off air after I'm I'm off air I go back in there and I get my stuff and I said okay well let me move this little half ottoman whatever the hell this thing is back into the other room on the side there well the other thing that happened the night before is when we were moving it we heard something fall. Well, we go in there and look. What's the thing that fell in that studio when we were moving that? An air mattress. So what a what a what a horrendous overall evening. Neither one of us could pretty much talk the next day on air. One because our voices were gone, and two because we were depressed. So and yes, somehow that's not even two weeks ago, and it feels like that was a couple of months ago. You're right, though that. That experience, that day of getting off of work, driving up to Chapel Hill, doing the game, then coming back and working, you, you worked your show. I had to work my show and a Hornet game. You want to know the the sad part? And I think it's because it was a title game. I was less tired doing that than going to some of the football games this past year on Saturdays. Um, I We would wake up later, but for some reason, I was we were jacked on that day, and it was great. But that, that is something that... that like like you said, I'll never forget. You'll never forget. the The outcome was unfortunate because we wanted to to win a title and hang a banner. But that experience is something that, you know, that's that's why we work in the business that we work in, and that's why we do the podcast that we do is to do those types of things. To Plus, talk we're going to be doing the same thing next year. So, yeah, you know. exactly. Um, and that leads us to the guy that announced his return. Of course, earlier in the week, we got Armando Baycott to secure his return for next season. Today, the next domino fell. Oh, baby. Redemption Tour Part 2 is on. And that was Leaky Black, a guy that we were very much up in the air about because he had 
put out a, a very, uh, you know, a post on Instagram that could lead you to believe that maybe he was done. Maybe he was just done with the college experience, or maybe he wanted to go somewhere else and play college basketball, or maybe he had done enough, even if it was going to be overseas, to go ahead and pursue a career playing basketball professionally. But um, like Armando Baycott, his announcement starts off one way where it's like, oh, maybe maybe he's coming back. And then it transitions to him saying he's coming back for that fifth season, and this is big for Carolina. Um, you, you, you still need to get Love back. We're pretty much assuming R.J. Davis is coming back at this point, but you needed him back to anchor your defense on the perimeter. And this is a guy that um, the Carolina doesn't make the run into the, the, the title game without him. As great as Caleb Love and Armando Baycott were at times in the tournament, same thing for R.J. Davis in that game against Baylor. What Leaky Black was able to do up until the title game, taking away opponents' best player, but against Kansas, look, the way Kansas played was just a hard matchup for him. He got the fourth foul, and Kansas was able to complete the comeback. But he was taking away elite offensive players in the NCAA tournament. After doing that all season long, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't his fault. The other guys around him were bad defensively the first two and a half, three months of the season. He got overlooked as being an elite defender. That's what he is. Yeah. And, and Carolina now has that back in the saddle for next season. He won't be a secret defensively for any opponent that's game planning on how to attack Carolina, but having that guy back on the perimeter, that's another step in the right direction for Carolina building their roster for, as you said just a second ago, Redemption Tour Part 2. But here's the thing. like It shouldn't have caught anybody off guard late last year. Like, we knew that this was what this guy was. I mean, look, he he gets it. And even when I wrote the article earlier that I put up on the site about him, I put he locked down guys like Duke's A.J. Griffin, uh, uh, Virginia's Kihei Clark, Marquette's Justin Lewis, and St. Peter's Doug Eddard, which (laughs) the fact that he's in that group is just kind of weird. But, like, it was before that we saw signs of that before that. You knew, like, look, this is the guy that is clearly the best defender. I think what he started to show us late last year is that not only can he guard those wing guys that can score the ball really well, or sometimes maybe even that occasional stretch four. No, this dude could literally, he can guard one of the best point guards in the conference in Kia Clark and take him out of the game. So his versatility as a defender showed up as well, which is huge because the fact that you can put him on pretty much any of their leading scores unless it's a freaking seven-foot big man, which then you got Baycott for that anyways, that's huge. That's that's I mean, that changes everything for Carolina. And, you know, the thing about him coming back this year is last year there were times where or this past year, I should say. There were times where people worried about, okay, if you switch Leakey onto, let's take Duke, for example, when they were talking about him being on Palo Bancaro. Well, if you put him on Palo, that means that you have to put Brady Manick on A.J. Griffin. Well, this coming year, and we'll probably talk about it here in a second, more than likely, doesn't look like you're going to land a transfer. So, Puff Johnson is probably going to be in my opinion, probably going to be your four guy. I feel a lot more comfortable with Puff Johnson defending A.J. Griffin than I did with Brady Manick. And and I'm going to be honest with you. 
with with Brady, we have to give him a lot of credit because his growth as a defender throughout the year was tremendous. So that's not a, a a knock on Brady. That's more of saying I feel like now Puff is a more versatile defender as well. So you you can I mean Leaky can literally guard anywhere from the four to the one if you need him to. Well, and also, that's huge. Well, uh, another thing that really happened this year that we didn't do a good enough job of explaining the last couple of years. Carolina's offense was so much better you could you could play four on five. The the first three years of his career, outside of nineteen when he was on the team with Kobe White and those guys, but he was a bench player. He didn't have the role he had this year. So really his last three years as a starter, Carolina's offense wasn't Carolina offense. It was a an, it was a mediocre to average offense and him on the court at times, he was a liability, but you needed him defensively. This year, you didn't need him to score the ball all that well because you had four other guys that could average double figures and, and get their own points. And, and so that allowed him to just focus on his on, on, on the defensive end of the court. But he showed at times this year when he needed to take a couple shots and he needed to make a couple shots, he was confident enough to do that. And that's huge because that's still going to be the case next year. He's still going to be a defensive first guy, mm-hmm. but there are going to be games where he's going to have to put the ball in the basket. And he showed this year against NC State and against some other opponents, he can score the ball when it's when it's necessary for him to, to score the ball. Well, but, what was the biggest thing that we talked about with him coming into the season based off of what we saw primarily the last two years when we thought he was going to be one of the breakout guys? Can this guy find his role on this team? Because the roles that you would kind of put him in the last two years, he wasn't really able to fill. Yeah. Now, before the season, I was the guy that said, you bring him off the bench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but now, to see, I think he found, like you said, he found an offense that fits what he does at Carolina. He found an offense where there are four guys that you can rely on. You have four guys. The, the other four guys in the starting lineup scored in double figures. Yep. So that's a perfect fit for him. And it worked out perfectly. But like you said, there were games where he needed to hit important baskets, and he did. There were games where they needed him to rebound the ball well, and he did. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of what he provides going forward. I think the thing that's so interesting about him on the offensive end, the defensive end, we know what we're getting from him just about every night. And, you know, look, I I thought he struggled a little bit in the national championship game. That he That's one night on a stage that he had never been on. He's going to be fine. When it comes to the offensive end, I think he can mix things up. He can mix up his own role on the offensive end for what he needs to be. Hey, if you don't need me to big be this big-time scorer for you, if you don't need me to hit some shots, then I'm going to let you guys do your thing, and I'll focus on sharing the ball and rebounding. Yeah. But if you need me to step up, I can step in and hit a couple of jumpers from time to time. So I thought as much as this fan base, and even us to a certain extent, we're, we're, not, we're not void of criticism here either. We were also in on the criticism that he received the last three years. And honestly, it, and he mentioned, he mentioned it when he put the video out. When he's reading his letter to himself as a freshman, yeah, he said there are you're going to learn not to read what what's on the internet and everything like that because there were people that were bashing this guy like just about 
I, I don't know if I've seen a player that people have been this harsh on during this time. And, man, you got to give it to him. He he kept fighting back every time, the resiliency he had, and he became a, he became a crowd favorite at the end of the year. That was a question I was going to bring up here was, and this is strictly to, to Carolina, has any other player changed the opinion of a fan base more than he has in our lifetime? Well, to be fair. In a positive way? There's a guy on his on on the team this year that might have done it in even a shorter span of time. Caleb Love, the 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 complete flip. Yeah, but like like I Caleb there, it was more like the frustration because it's like you can be really freaking good. You're just Okay, there was a time where I I said that I don't want Caleb Love on this team anymore. And there was a time where <laughs> I tweeted out that I said I would not miss him wearing the jersey. Yeah. And, so I but he's he's got to be He's got to be pretty close because I feel like even for the most part, some of the guys that sort of can't be, became maybe not even even stars, but fan favorites. You know, every team has those. Where Nate like, Britt got like a lot Stillman, of criticism. Stillman White was one of those guys where like no other no other person, probably even in the ACC, is going to remember who the hell that is. But for Toriel fans. He has a special place in Tar Heel history because of the situation that he was put in and the resiliency that he showed. But like, I, I don't. There even some of those guys that came out of nowhere. Like, I don't remember a guy that came in and people were so hostile towards. Like, this guy is terrible. And then all of a sudden, they changed their tune and realized, no, this guy's a huge part of what we do. I think both him and Caleb kind of fit that mold, and that's why this year is it's going to be one that people remember for a long time because of the run, but it's also going to be one that people remember because this is one of the most interesting years that I've ever seen, probably from a blue blue blood program. To go from this team is severely underachieving, maybe we didn't hire the right coach, to we have a chance to win a national championship on that final Monday night. With guys that we love, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it was really hard. Like I was sitting there thinking, like Nate Britt was a guy who got a lot of criticism, but by the time the team won the title in seventeen, you kind of learned to appreciate. I mean, I guess, but I don't feel like I feel like there were some people that were out on him, but I don't feel like he really got that strong criticism. In part because he wasn't a starter. Well, and I think that's the thing. So he was like his freshman year. He had the perfect role. Came off the bench. Was an energy guy. Did all the little things, and he helped you win ball games. And then you you go after that year where look, if 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 we were being honest, we didn't expect Kobe White to go pro. You didn't expect the roster turnover after that year. Where now all of a sudden this guy is having to start, and then half the team gets hurt that year. So not only is he starting, but He's having to play a significant role on both ends of the court, right. and he he couldn't score the ball, so we criticized that. Then the next year, you deal with the COVID year where every player was just in a different headspace, dealing with a pandemic that has affected us all. And then this year, yeah, you you you, you still thought he could be a really good defensive player. It hadn't happened yet. The team was underachieving. He was a big part of that. But now we're at the point where he was one of the guys that Tar Heel fans pleading begging almost to come back, run it back. And, you know, if, if if this team can run it back and they can eventually do what they want to do, which is win a national championship, put that banner up in the Smith Center, 
these guys are going to be they're going to be revered. So the only the the one that I would wonder, and we'd have to see, we'd have to ask older Tar Heel fans. Um, and if if so, if you're listening to the podcast, you know we'd love to hear your responses to it. Who were the guys that were similar to Leaky and Caleb? Were they that it turned that quickly? The only other one, and again, we're just going off of the time that we've been watching Carolina from an in-depth perspective where we watched every minute of every single game and talked about it and everything like that. I wonder if the 05 team had guys like that. Like, was Sean May seen in that ilk? Because these were dudes that came in were extremely highly touted but had an 8-20 and season. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if maybe those would be the guys you would look at with what they did in 05, but even, I mean, you had the year in between in 04 where guys, you know, fans may have started to fall back in love with some of those guys. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we'd love, I mean, on the Facebook page at, at the Heel Tough Blog on Facebook or, or the Twitter page at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, send them in if you got people that sort of made that turn and, and, and feel free to tell us the stories of these guys. We'd love to hear them. Not only did Carolina get a player back, they lost another guy to the transfer portal. We'll tell you who that is and the impact of his departure after this message from DraftKings Sportsbook. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play-in tournament DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You clinch a win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, for each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all of these great offers I've been giving you on the four-corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Block side of things. So we, we touched on Leaky Black announcing his return for his extra season of eligibility granted by the NCAA due to the pandemic, but Carolina did lose another member of their rotation to the portal as Anthony Harris, reserve guard who missed the second half of the season due to academic suspension, um, as, as we clarify why he didn't play the last two and a half months of the season. He entered the portal yesterday, um, and he joins now Dawson Garcia as the, the second Tar Heel to depart from the program since the season came to an end. And, you know, this is one that I think, you know, at the surface you were like, oh, well, how big of a deal is his departure because Carolina made a run to the national championship without him. Same for Garcia. But as we talked about after the loss against Kansas in the national title game, 
a big reason why Carolina lost was because they didn't have enough players. They weren't deep enough. You were playing effectively seven guys the rest of the way from the middle of February on. In the title game, you played six guys exclusively. And, and look, Anthony Harris is a guy who the most games he played in his entire career was 15. So he had issues with, with health. 16. Yeah, 16, yeah. Health or suspension or whatever. But this was a guy that went on the court had value because he ran your offense. Could play both guard spots, could defend. Could play with the ball, could play off yep. the ball, was a great on-ball defender. And he he had juice to where there were times where he could score the ball when you needed someone to come off the bench and score the ball. And if you're looking at it right now, even if Caleb Love comes back, Carolina does not have a proven backup point guard on their roster. Not now. Not with Anthony Harris in the portal. Well, and and I'm going to tell you, they're not unless, I mean, somebody else has to transfer. And I think even if just one person transfers, I think they're going to probably value somebody that can come in and help you at the stretch four more than a guard in that backcourt. So because this- you're trusting a Trusting Seth, here's what here's what it is. You're trusting Seth Trimble to come in and be at least good enough off that bench in his first year to help you out. And and look, this is a meaningful loss because look the the difference between Carolina and Kansas was Kansas had Remy Martin come off the bench. Now, granted, he was a proven guy, a guy who scored 19 and, points and, a game and look, at Arizona are, State. But we are not comparing Remy Martin to Anthony Harris. That is a there is there is a talent gap there very clearly. But having that drop off from your starting guard to your backup guard, and look, Carolina rode and died with the Iron Five, and it got them to the brink of a national championship. But it it there were certain times on the way to the title game where you felt, God, you wish you had Anthony Harris. Because Styles isn't a point guard. DeMarco Dunn was not ready to be on the court in NCAA tournament competition. Mm-hmm. And so even if he's going to be more so ready next year, he's still effectively going to be a freshman because of how limited his role is. We and then you have it, Seth Trimble, who's we, going to be a freshman. Right. We brought it up multiple times, games in the tournament where you will want him. Clearly, Kansas. Uh, could we have used him against Baylor? think yeah. that would have helped out just a little. So, yeah, I mean, clearly this is – Something of significance because when was the last time that Carolina lost a guard like this? Maybe wasn't as versatile, but was a veteran backup point guard, Seventh Woods. Yeah, and we said that's going to be important. No, it's not. Well, it turned out to be eventually down the road. So, I look. I don't think that it it is that big of a deal because I do think. I think this is this is just part of it. I think the backcourt, these guys are going to play a lot of minutes again yep. next year. I, I I think that's just part of it. But I think that, I mean, Seth Seth Tremble is is no one that that's not a name to just brush off. This is a guy that probably should have been playing in the McDonald's All American game, um, and has made a significant climb as a prospect from when he first committed to Carolina. He's versatile. He's a combo guard, so he can do all the stuff that he's also Anthony be Harris a freshman playing did. in the ACC. I understand that, but I I think from an offensive perspective, you probably like the upside of Trimble better. From a defensive perspective, that's where you're more concerned. But that's where you're hoping that Demarco Dunn, having a year in the system, can grow up quickly and give you what you need. We saw him out there a couple of times this year. 
And we said, look, the defensive the, the, the defensive effort is there from him. Yeah. But there's still some things that have to get polished. I think the thing that the way that you should be looking at this is I'm it's tough because I think if you're looking at do you like this year's backup backcourt of Harris and Dunn better than next year's of Dunn Trimble, you'd probably say no because you're looking at the upside, but you do have to take into account the experience factor still though. I really like the upside of Trimble. I get that he's he's a freshman. But and, and I'm not saying he's going to be this guy. Remember, we thought it was going to take Kobe White a while to become what he became. And it, it's it's not impossible for these guys to jump onto the scene. And this dude, because people say, well, what about Kerwin Walton? He came in and did something his freshman year, and look at what he did this past year. Dude, Kerwin Walton was a guy that was rated outside of the top 100 prospects. Seth Trimble's a guy that's rated inside of the top 40. There is talent there. It's just... How quickly does he catch on? Yeah, and, and look, it, it's going to be something that Carolyn's going to have to monitor because, as you mentioned, as of as of right now, even though they've lost Garcia and Harris to the portal, mm-hmm. you've brought back Baycott and Leaky Black. Because the NCAA has not announced what they're doing with the extra COVID year in terms of a scholarship, Carolina, with its recruiting class coming in, is at its scholarship limit. Yeah, we miscounted uh, in the article. I did put that I I I was of the belief they had a scholarship open. That is not the well, case. You, you have thirteen. You have thirteen spots, scholarship spots available on your roster, and as of right now, with the four freshmen, because you include Will Shaver in there, yep. you are currently full of scholarships with the guys they're bringing in. And look, everyone is expecting the NCAA to continue to not count the COVID players. <laughs> As a scholarship, but I as still of, don't understand how a decision isn't made on this. As of right now, they haven't decided that. And as you mentioned, even if that does come to fruition and that scholarship becomes available again, Carolina would it would dip into the portal to get a front court player first because they still need they still need help at the stretch four position. Puff Johnson was a guy who who did a lot of good things for Carolina the second half of the season. And was a, a big part of Carolina's second half push in the, in the in the national title game, but there will be a significant drop off if he's your starting foreman as opposed to a guy like a a Terrence Shannon from Texas Tech or another potential guy that you can get. But I will say this though, they there was a report last night from Tar Heel Illustrated that said that Carolina has been in contact with SMU guard Kendrick Davis. Yeah, so that's one to keep an eye on. But it seems like the thinking behind that is kind of an in case love does leave, we've got this guy that we can always bring in. So we'll we'll keep you updated and monitor on everything revolving Carolina as we are awaiting the official announcement from Caleb Love. We'll throw R.J. Davis in there as well, and 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 maybe more potential transfers. Maybe Kerwin Walton's the next guy to keep an, a, a, an eye out for as we head further and further into the offseason. But it is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to get over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Anthony had you covered with Leaky Black's announcement to return for next season. You can, you can check out that. Go back and read about Dawson Garcia, Harris entering the portal, even Armando coming back as we're keeping you updated on the basketball side of things. 
football side of things where they're back into their offseason mode following the spring game, but there will be recruiting stuff up there as well. You can check all that great football and basketball coverage out at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. You can like the pod. You can review the pod, but most importantly, we do encourage you guys Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the, of the show throughout the offseason. This is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.